back to Self Talk Show podcast folks. I'm your host Mitali Ohri and I'm so excited about today's episode. We have an extraordinary guest with us, the one and only Kevin McGehee. He's a true inspiration when it comes to self-discovery and personal transformation and he's here to share his wisdom with all of us. His newly released book, The Little Book of Noticing is making waves and resonating with readers everywhere. Kevin is not just a leading practitioner of transformation coaching, but he's also a down-to-earth soul who genuinely wants to help you unlock your full potential and live a more fulfilling, purpose-driven life. His book is like a treasure trove of practical insights and techniques to embrace mindfulness, find inner peace, and navigate life's twists and turns with grace. What sets Kevin apart is his emphasis on self-awareness and the power of breath. He believes that by connecting with ourselves and the world around us, we can truly tap into our own strength and overcome any obstacle that comes our way. Through practices like breath work, noticing the little things and meditation, he guides us on a journey of self-discovery that leads to lasting inner peace and personal growth. But here's the thing folks, Kevin's path to self-discovery wasn't all smooth sailing. It was during his recovery from surgery that he had a wake-up call. Realizing how much unnecessary noise and distractions had consumed his life, that aha moment became the driving force behind his book and his mission to teach others the art of noticing and cultivating self-resilience. So buckle up, my friends, because in today's episode we are going deep. We'll hear all about Kevin's personal journey, the power of self-awareness, the practical techniques that can transform our lives for the better. Get ready to live a more mindful and purposeful life, starting right here, right now. Let's give a warm welcome to the one and only Gavin McGehee. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us today. We are thrilled to have you here and share your wisdom with our audience. So, before we delve into the concepts from your book, could you share a bit about your personal journey of self-discovery and how it led you to become a practitioner of transformational coaching? My personal journey of self-discovery began many years ago when I attended a two-day workshop called The Technology of Being, and that was being held in the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle. It was run by a gentleman by the name of Jim Bergquist, and Jim had some really alternative consulting and coaching methodologies about him, and he ended up taking this Pike Place Fish Market, which was run by a dictator, dictator style of business owned by the um, gentleman by the name of John Yokoyama and John would yell and scream and and rant and rave and and try and get the most out of his people that way and his business was just about going broke so Jim went in there and coached them and taught them more about the technology of being and during one of their meetings he said what would Pike Place Fish look like if it was functioning in the, the best way possible. And one of the fishmongers piped up and he said, oh, well, we'd look world famous. And that kicked him off on a journey of, of creating world famous Pike Place fish. So then they spoke about, well, what does world famous look like for our customer? What does world famous look like for each of us as individuals? What does it look like for our community? What does it look like for the world? And they started to unpack everything about what world famous looks like and it all came down to being a world famous human being first and opening up space for each other to grow and learn and that was my beginning of my journey towards 
uh, enlightenment or self-development, personal development. And over the years, I've just stepped more and more into that. And I've had lots of mentors along the way, and I've done lots of um, self-reflection and lots of self-help. And I've always just kept coming back to who am I being as a human being? And what I do as a human being determines what I will then have as a human being. And that's the principles of be, do and have. Who am I being determines what I do on the level of what I do, of how I do that and what I will get from that, which is my outcome. So that's a reflection of how my journey began. That's beautiful. These workshops have a remarkable way of expanding our minds and enhancing our outlook on life, others, and most importantly, ourselves. This brings us to our next question. Your book, The Little Book of Noticing, focuses on the power of self-awareness and replacing judgment with noticing. Can you explain the concept of noticing and its significance in cultivating self-resilience? When we think about judgment, and we're all guilty of judgment. Judgment is just something that it's a word, but it's also an action. Something happens, an event, something we read, a phone call we get, an SMS. Um, we witness something and we immediately go into judgment mode on things. And when we go into judgment mode, we actually are basing these judgments on our own biases, on our own preconditions, our, our conditioning and our belief system that we have programmed into us. So when we do that, we automatically place limitations on anything that we're judging. That's just a consequence of judging. So what I learned is that if I could replace the things that I judge and simply take have a noticing effect on them, I can notice what is happening in the world of the person that's sharing something with me and I can determine whether or not I need to engage myself at a deeper level with what I'm noticing about what's taking place. Now quite often when we judge we then become automatically attached to the story and when we become attached to the story once again we're limiting ourselves. So if I can learn to let go of those attachments and just be in judgment mode I can be free of the story and that freedom brings me peace and that is where the power of noticing over judging really steps up and really provides that gateway to how one change can bring peace into your life. I completely agree on that. Could you share how your personal experience of recovering from surgery and having a transformative realization influenced your outlook on the trivial distractions in life? In what ways did this realization serve as inspiration for writing your book? The Little Book of Noticing came to me as I was laying in a hospital bed recovering from surgery. And I had a download from the universe. And that download said to me, you need to write a book. This is the name of the book. This is the content of the book. This is how the book will look and feel. And this is the impact the book will have in making a difference in the life of anyone that you connect with and that the book connects with. And it was all about the ability to remove the distractions and remove the the way the the impact that judging has on how we function in our life. That was the whole concept. It was about how can I remove these distractions and these limitations 
by removing the judgments and by noticing all of the things that are happening for me, to me, through me, around me, I can function from a way different place. I can just be functioning from a point of of pure freedom, pure peace within me, just a, a space that of non-attachment. And when you can live in a space of non-attachment, you can live in a place of peace and presence. And when I had that realization in that hospital bed that night, it it was as if the book had already been written. That's how strong the the download that I had was. And I then had to just step into taking action to make that book a touchy-feely, tangible book in the palm of your hands. My goodness, that sounds incredibly enchanting and motivating. In your book, you mention four fundamental principles that embody congruence in all aspects of life. Could you briefly describe these principles and how they contribute to personal growth and inner peace? When I finished the little book of noticing and all of these situations and events were unfolding around me, I was, I was noticing so much more, obviously. And uh, there were a lot of awarenesses that were coming to me. And there was a lot of talks that I was having with people about the book and about letting go of judgments and stepping into noticing. And I actually created one day, I sat down there, I was in a place of creativity. I just finished a bit of breathing. I just finished a bit of meditation. And through that breathing and meditation, I, uh, I had these principles and I thought, you know, there's an art to this noticing. And I ended up writing the, what I call the four principles of the art of noticing. And they are stay in your own lane, be your authentic self, be where you are and always look for ways to feel good. And I thought we could apply any one of those principles at any time in any stage of our day and in our life. And if we look back at that and we go, well, stay in my own lane, what is that all about? Well, it's, it's all about being aware of yourself and where you truly are. And do you need to become pulled out of your lane and pulled into other people's businesses, business or businesses? And sometimes it's best to just stay in your own lane and be where you are in that space. And then my next one was be your authentic self was about understanding and loving yourself for who you are, not to be influenced by others or feel that you have to be something that you're not to fit in. Just fit in with you and be you and find yourself and peel back the layers of your authenticity. Because when you come from a place of pure authenticity, you're just going to be congruent as who you are you're not going to be looking to fulfill the needs of someone else because you think you need to act differently to fit in with their world or their ways so when you be your authentic self people then learn to accept you for your true authenticity and then be where you are all too often we're trying to be somewhere where we cannot be so when you ask yourself that question, can I be anywhere other than where I am right now? The answer to, to that is always no. And when you are where you are right now, like here, this is the only place where truth can be. Truth can only be where I am right now in this present moment. It's not in the past and it's not in the future. It's only where I am right now. So you can then be in truth, a place of truth. 
And then the fourth one is always look for ways to feel good is when you're not feeling that great, you can apply that principle to say, what can I do right now that can help me feel better than I'm feeling? And that might be, ah, I need to go for a walk. I just need to get out in a bit of sunshine. I might need to do five minutes of breathing to change my state. I might need to, you know, go for a bit of a bike ride, read my child a book. Anything that I can do to make me feel better than I'm feeling. And then at, at times you could be in any position where you say, what can I do that can make me feel good right now? So thinking about and applying any one of those four principles at any time can be very, very powerful and can bring you back into present moment, bring you back into awareness of yourself and bring you back into operating from your beliefs and your values and the programs that you choose to run for you. So that's how these four principles have contributed to my personal growth and my own inner peace. And so if I can coach people on those four principles and they can make the changes in their life, it can bring them some peace as well. Many people struggle with being vulnerable. How did you personally come to embrace vulnerability? And how does it relate to the journey of self-discovering and self-resilience? Showing vulnerability is a real sign of strength. And showing vulnerability is an opportunity for you to step into truth. Now, that can be quite confronting for people. But the beauty of it is that when you learn to be vulnerable, you're expressing yourself as you feel you want to be expressed. And then others can have a choice. How other people accept you for who you are or the way that you're expressing yourself. That's up to them how they process you and how they accept you or they choose not to accept you. But when you can be vulnerable, it just opens a doorway to freedom. And that doorway to freedom is just that I'm me for me. And showing my vulnerabilities can allow me to grow my resilience. And you might think, well, that sounds a little bit contrary to each other, but it's not. Um, They're more congruent with each other. And I found personally that expressing my vulnerabilities, and especially for men, it seems to be just something that becomes quite a challenge for, for men to step into expressing vulnerabilities. But when you can express your vulnerabilities, you can find a lot of peace within and, and it brings you more connected to yourself. And that's what being vulnerable is and showing my vulnerabilities has meant to me on my journey of self-discovery. Right. Could you share one or two anecdotal stories from your book that exemplify the transformative power of noticing and self-awareness? Okay, here's a couple of little stories from the book that can engage the reader on the transformative power of noticing and self-awareness. One of of the stories in the book is called Food, and it's a real simple one. And it's about, I came home from uh, water skiing one morning and I went and had a shower and then I came into the kitchen and I just needed to cook up a feast. And I noticed there was a half avocado in the fruit bowl on the bench, just unexposed. Now, in judgment mode, it would go like this. Hey, Melissa, what's this half avocado doing out on the bench here exposed? How hard was it to put it back in the fridge and put it away? And don't you know how expensive these avocados are? And why would you just leave it out here like this? So that's the judgment mode. 
based on your beliefs and based on your programs. But if I actually went into noticing mode, the noticing mode cuts in and I say, hey, Melissa, I'm noticing this half avocado sitting on the bench in the fruit bowl. Did you want me to do anything with it? Is it here for a reason? Oh, yeah, it is. I'm just leaving it on the bench as I just wanted to see what happens to it if I don't wrap it in waxproof paper and put it away. And I went, wow, fascinating. I said, would you like me to put a sticky note on it to say, hey, I'm an experiment, leave me here. And so that's one example of what happens when we judge immediately and we place our conditions on something as opposed to what I notice about that and then having a conversation around that based on the noticing as opposed to the conversation that would have evolved through the judging. And another one is a, one of my most powerful stories in the book, I believe, is called Ants to Gifts. And when we go to bed at night, quite often what will happen is we'll, our head will hit the pillow and immediately we go into that judgment mode of all the things that, that didn't unfold or didn't occur for us or uh, happening in our life right at that point in time. So we think, well, what was all the negative things that went on during the day? Maybe things I didn't get done, conversations that I had, conversations we were having about people that weren't even there to support themselves and back themselves up. So you go into this world of judgment as you're lying there. And uh, I would question anyone that hasn't had that occur. And what I learned to do was instead of going into that world of judging and that world of living in events past or living in, in future events that are yet to happen and creating all fear-based projections off them or dragging in all of the uh, negativity from what should have happened in your world in that day, I then turn my bedtime routine into my grat gratitude list. So instead of having ants crawling all over me, and this is why I call it ants to gifts, I say, I'm going to park the ants and I'm going to pluck them off one by one and I'm going to put them in a jar beside the bed. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to unpack all of the gifts that I have in my life. And the gifts are gratitude in friggin' things small, where the ants are another negative thought shows. So when I can just let go of the ants and I can wrap myself in gifts... I then find all of these wonderfully powerful gratitudes that I can have as I'm laying down to go to sleep. And when you start to list them out, yeah, grateful that I had a great meal tonight, grateful that I was able, you know, I have a motor vehicle to transport me to work, grateful that I had some um, story time with my son, grateful that my parents are still alive, you know, grateful for the place, the, the great place that we live in, grateful that we've got good roads and sanitation and and the end is, the, the list is endless. So when you can apply your gratitudes to each night, as soon as you hit that pillar, you go straight into gratitude mode. You wake up in a mode then where you're in more positivity, you're in more clearness about, about your intent as opposed to waking up carrying those negative thoughts from the night before. And so it's ants to gifts. The most, one of the, the great stories that I have in the little book of noticing, but one that I've shared with lots of people that have applied just that little philosophy to their life and that has brought some peace into their life. 
So that's that's two anecdotal stories that I could share with you out of the book um, about the transformative power of noticing and the self-awareness within. Gavin, I must say, I feel so enlightened right now. Your insights on how judgment can lead to significant conflicts while noticing an observation can simplify matters were truly eye-opening. Those two captivating anecdotal stories from your book were incredible. You emphasize the practice of breathwork, noticing and meditation as tools for cultivating a deeper connection with oneself and the world. Can you explain how these practices can contribute to greater resilience, inner peace and personal growth? I got introduced to breathwork a few years back and it was when I was in a, a fairly low state and I saw a Wim Hof video and I thought I'm going to give that a bit of a go. So I did one of his rounds of breathing and it went for about 10 to 12 minutes. And at the end of that 10 to 12 minutes, I actually felt better. I felt a little bit clearer. I felt a little bit more at peace. I felt a little bit calmer. I felt a little less concerned about being concerned. And I thought, I'm going to try that again tomorrow. And I did it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I continued on with that and I still do breathing, but I've taken it to the next level where I'm now a certified breathwork facilitator and I can coach people through um, somatic breathwork journeys and transformational breathwork journeys to help them change state and release trauma, etc. Or just being in a pure place of um, rest and relaxation. And the breathing along with my daily meditation, that just allows me to become so grounded and so present. And that's the beauty of breath work and meditation and stillness. And even for people that say, oh, I can't meditate, well, learn some breathing techniques because once you, even if you can learn some breathing techniques, you're basically meditating anyway. Because meditation is about taking your mind off the world around you and bringing you back to a place of presence. So even if you're doing breathing exercises and you're focusing on your breathing, you're basically meditating because your awareness is purely on your breath. And that is just a place of presence. So that's how you can connect to a deeper part of yourself. And if you get into a daily structured breathing and meditation routine, it's amazing how much it can help you get through your day and live a more peaceful life. I do it every day and, and I don't beat myself up if I miss a day. because And that's okay through being where I may be or, or just something that's evolved. Now I combine that also with some cold therapy. I do cold showers every morning as well. And these are the, way that I, the ways that I set myself up for my day for my day to just be the best day that I can make it. And so breathing and meditation and a bit of cold therapy, and it's not cold therapy to the extremes where I've got to go and sit in a nice bath for 10 minutes or try and set a world record. Because sometimes you can do things to the extreme and it's causing you more damage than good. But I know that by every day having a two minute cold shower, it's just, it, it just, I get out of that shower just feeling alive. So that's the beauty of breath work, meditation, cold therapy, and getting a deeper connection to yourself, um, which brings you a, a, just a, a greater state of wellness and, and feeling well within yourself. That's the practice of breath work. 
and when you do that it's the things that you notice about yourself are, are really quite inspirational in themselves and, and I notice as soon as I get out of that cold shower I'm not even actually cold I just feel alive and I feel refreshed you're so right breath work can work wonders indeed what are some practical techniques or exercises from your book that listeners can start implementing in their daily lives to enhance their self-awareness and find harmony? The daily exercises that I would recommend that people implement are morning routine. So powerful to get into a morning routine and set yourself up for the day. And an evening routine as well. An evening routine is setting you setting yourself up for rest and recovery. If you think of the nervous system and the autonomic nervous system, we have the sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your fight and flight, and then we have the parasympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So, if you're going to be wired, you're not setting up your parasympathetic nervous system for rest and digest. So, you don't want to go to bed still in a fight or flight mode of your sympathetic because you won't rest. So the morning routine sets myself up to engage myself with my day and the evening routine sets myself up to make sure I maximize my rest and I recover well. So that would be the things that I would recommend. Get yourself into a, a morning routine. Also some journaling and I call it a noticing journal and I look at what did I notice about myself today? What did I notice about the world around me today? They're things that help me just get things out of my mind into a structure. So morning routine, journaling, evening routine, and just living in and having an awareness around those four principles of the art of noticing, especially being where you are. Just focus on being where you are in the moment and totally being there. And you'll be amazed at just what that can do for the person that you're being present with. So even if you focus on that, and another one is when we talk about being where you are and being that place of truth, challenge yourself just in little increments to say, can I, or I am prepared today to not tell one lie. And that includes little white lies. And every time that you think that you need to tell a lie, stop, have some reflection and say, what is the truth of this matter? And if you can't express the truth, don't express anything. But when you can learn to live in absolute truth, you can be at peace. But if you're still stuck in a world where you have to engage in lies, then you cannot berate anyone that lies to you. So until you can find absolute congruency in yourself through the truth, that would be one thing that I would, uh, another thing that I would have you working on is finding that place of absolute truth. And that brings you back to presence. I would encourage all our listeners to start implementing these practical techniques in your life to enhance your self-awareness. How can the power of self-observation help individuals elevate their frequency, consciousness and awareness? Can you provide some insights on how this can lead to lasting inner peace? When we think about our highest levels of frequency, we, we, all, we are a frequency. If you think about Wi-Fi, it's a frequency. So we're the same as Wi-Fi. So the stronger the Wi-Fi signal, the better the communication's going to be, the faster the communication's going to be. 
When we think of ourselves as a frequency and putting off a strong frequency, think of, and I would recommend maybe do a little bit of research around David R. Hawkins' map of consciousness. And that map of consciousness raises from our level down around 20, which is what we call shame and guilt, right? And it goes right up to a scale of a thousand, which is pure enlightenment and spirituality, which is the likes of a Buddha, a Satguru, these types of Mother Teresa, these inspirational types of people that are held at that really high level of spirituality and enlightenment. And you find out on that map of consciousness just where you feel you are. And sometimes you'll go maybe from a 300 to a 350 to a 550. But if you're down on that under the line, we call it under the line, over the line, you can look at it. What is it about my state that's holding me there? And what can I change that can raise my frequency? And when you raise your frequency, people feel that because it's actually, it's an energy field. So becoming aware of what your frequency is and, and the vibrational energy that you're giving off can improve your state and can, and can improve your relationships because it actually will be felt by people that are in your space. Agreed. As a practitioner of transformational coaching, what advice do you have for individuals who are looking to unlock their full potential and live a more fulfilling, purpose-driven life? Well, the advice that I would give to anyone that's looking to unlock their full potential and live a more fulfilling, purpose-driven life is to, one, be vulnerable. Two, seek out help and assistance. And three, take action. And four, be patient. These are the things that I've had to learn over time. Like through my life's journey, I've gone through all the highs, lows, the ups and downs. I've had my own mental breakdown. I've been diagnosed with depression. I was on antidepressants. I've managed to kick all that. I'm 61 years old. I don't take any medication. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm alive and, and I'm living, breathing and in gratitude every day. But if you want to unlock your full potential, you've got to go dig deep and find your authentic self because you need to find your authentic self to then find out what your desires are to then be able to put yourself into the functioning state of stepping into what your desires are and living a life from your desires and living a life that's going to fill your bucket because you need to fill your own bucket to be of value to others. And when you can fill your own bucket, that being of value to others and being of service to others, it actually comes quite freely and it's coming from a pure place of, of love and energy. And you just you you just become authentic in a in a giving mode and in a receiving mode. And that that fills you up anyway. Well it fills me up. So just think about that. Get help, seek help, be patient, do the work take action be authentic be vulnerable be truthful and the end result of all that is and and step into things have a look at think of you your own mind as a computer operating system now that computer operating system you want that to be running as efficiently and as effectively and as virus free as possible but if you're trying to run your mind and the programs in your mind on an outdated operating system, it's going to be slowing you down. It's going to make you sluggish. It's going to be holding you back in those old programs. 
because there's new, no new operating system there to run a new program. Because for me, that's what breathwork does. Breathwork can help us change out the old beliefs and the old operating system and bring in some new beliefs and a new operating system. So look to do the work and look to unpack yourself and repackage yourself. And don't be afraid of that because in a year's time, there's going to be another new operating system for our computers. And so we're going to need to learn that as well. Because if we want to be using the latest and the greatest and becoming and being faster and more efficient and, and more virus-free, we're going to need to learn how that operating system works. And that's the same in our mind. When we let go of the old outdated programs, we can build a new reality. And when we can build a new reality and live in that reality now, we can actually develop a new personality. So we want to change our limiting beliefs, change them out with some new beliefs, change out our old programs and bring in some new reality and actually build a new personality. And I have people saying to me, well, that can't be done. I don't believe that. And I thought, well, that's your limited belief on that right there, right there. You've just expressed that to me. Whereas I don't have that limited belief, I will do the work with the belief that I want to change out this program. I want to get, let go of that limited belief and I want to bring in some new beliefs. So there are different, a couple of different ways and, and things that you can do to unlock your full potential and help you live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. And when you live with purpose, you tend to live with passion. And when you live with purpose and passion and you combine that with truth and authenticity you can and noticing instead of judging you can live a, an extremely peaceful powerful life thank you for having me on the podcast i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today well that's a wonderful message kevin and that concludes today's captivating episode with the incredible kevin mcgehy author of the little book of noticing and a true master of transformational coaching I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to Kevin for sharing his profound insights and practical techniques for cultivating mindfulness and self-awareness. Kevin's story and expertise serve as a powerful reminder that each one of us has the potential to shape our lives into something extraordinary. By embracing self-awareness, incorporating breathwork, and noticing into our practices, and finding our unique path to happiness, we can make a positive impact not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of those around us. I want to express my deepest appreciation to Kevin for joining me on this enlightening episode. His wisdom and passion have truly enriched our conversation. Now to all of you wonderful listeners out there, make sure to grab a copy of Kevin's book, The Little Book of Noticing, for even more guidance and practical tools. Remember, cultivating self-resilience and mindfulness is an ongoing journey. So take the lessons and insights from today's episode and infuse them into your daily life. Thank you all for tuning in to Self Talk Show. If you enjoyed this episode, I kindly request you to consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support means the world to me and helps me bring you more valuable content. Until we meet again, embrace the power of self-awareness, cherish the beauty of the present moment. and continue onward on your path toward profound inner peace and personal growth. <laughs>